Bienvenidas a Radio Menea. I'm Miriam Soila Perez. And I'm Beroyeti Flores, and we are two Latinx friends with widely different music tastes. Each week we bring you music from the Latinx artists that we love, and this week we have an episode all about the life and music of Gal Costa. So you all might have heard that the Brazilian Tropicalia pioneer Gal Costa passed recently last week, so we just wanted to bring her and her music to an episode this week. This first song was her first professional recording. This is Sol Negro by Maria Bethania and Gal Costa. Let's take another listen. So while we've tried over the years to bring music from Brazil, it's definitely like a gap in our expertise and like a gap in our listening. Like we don't listen to a lot of music from Brazil. And obviously there's also a, um, only obviously neither of us speak Portuguese. There's also a linguistic gap that contributes to that. Um, But, you know, we've been wanting to talk more about Tropicalia because we think it's an interesting movement. And um, yeah, Gal Costa died at 77 last year. So she had a long life and a big career um, and made a pretty big impact on Brazilian music. So we want to talk about it today. So she died last week, not last <laughs> <Right>. year. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's what I meant. That's what I meant. <laughs> but um, yeah, so this last song that we were just listening to is... Um, by Gal Costa and Maria Bethania. And Maria Bethania is actually Caetano Veloso's sister, who um, Caetano Veloso is another huge um, Brazilian artist, member of uh, a pioneer of Tropicalia and Tropicalismo, and um, a frequent collaborator of mm. Gal Costa. Gal um, sang his songs and sang alongside him um, throughout her career. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, this this Tropicalia movement was um, really shaped by this group of young people in um, Salvador in Brazil, which is where um, Gal Costa was born, which is in the state of Bahia. And um, like, so when you read about her biography, you learn that she became friends with the women who would later become the partners of um, Caetano Veloso and Gilberto Gil, two of the other main leaders and kind of musical voices in this movement. Um, So it was like a a social and I think cultural kind of crew that really drove this. So it makes sense that there's so much collaboration constantly. You see like they're always like on each other's tracks or it was written by one and sung by the other and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. As happens in many um, culturally influential youth movements, it's like Mm -hmm. a a scene, right? Like a social Mm -hmm. group as much as, um, as it is um, 
uh, you know, like art is collaborative and it rarely emerges like from like one person's head, right? But rather from a set of mm-hmm. contexts. And um, one of the things that's really interesting about this is that because the context under which all of this was taking place was a military dictatorship in Brazil, like a right-wing military dictatorship. And so a lot of their um, music was very countercultural and um, anti-authoritarian. Definitely, definitely. And they were, um, Gilberto and Caetano were exiled from Brazil to London um, because of the political nature of their music. And so that obviously really shaped many things, including music in the UK, which is really interesting to think about how these different political migrations um, influence culture elsewhere as well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And so this, um, the way that Gal Costa sort of starts out in music, she's initially really inspired by Bossa Nova, which mm-hmm. is a Brazilian genre that emerges in like the 50s and the 60s, sort of out of samba, right? Like part of the, it's like a very sort of minimalist, slow samba that um, takes away a lot of the samba percussion, but you hear very prominently featured like the tambourine, the pandeiro, which is Mm. like a Brazilian tambourine. Mm -hmm. Um, And to me, like when I think of bossa nova, that's immediately what I think of is I think of like a little like tambourine and a guitar, like nothing else, you know, Mm. Um, and like a voice. (laughs) Yeah. And so um, Gal was very, um, was very, influenced by by early bossa nova and starts her career sort of in that lane um so the way we divide up this episode i did some of the biographical research and veto can pick the songs so valor tell us about the next song that you want us to listen to so the next song is from the Cali Costa's first album, which is a collaboration album with Gaetano Veloso. This song is called Coraza Vagabondo. Let's take a listen. Meu coração não se cansa de ter esperança de um dia ser tudo que quer. Meu coração de criança não é só a lembrança de um vulto feliz de mulher que passou por meu sonho sem dizer adeus. E fez dos olhos meus um chorar mais sem fim Meu coração vagabundo quer guardar o mundo em mim Meu coração vagabundo quer guardar o Coração não se cansa de ter esperança de um dia ser tudo o que quer. Meu coração de criança. So that sounds like an example of what you're just talking about, of like this tambourine and the voice and sort of like a stark composition. Yeah, yeah, like very minimalist. Um, mm-hmm. And um, 
Yeah, I I really love this. I think that kind of music is very beautiful. I have been meaning for a long time to sort of get into um, get into a little bit more, get into bossa nova some more, get into this sort of time period of the emergence of Brazilian music because I find it very like you know easy to listen to and um, beautiful and like nice to have on but I just don't know very much about it so this is a nice um, reason to get into this to you know think a little bit more about about Gal and, and her life but this was a mm-hmm. huge huge hit from that first album again that she did in collaboration with Gautano Veloso and um, yeah he would become a lifelong collaborator of hers and she would often sing alongside him or um, sing songs that he wrote and um, I, I really like this it's really it's really beautiful it's not exactly this is before she would really get into tropicalismo which sonically mixes all these Brazilian genres including bossa nova um, but also a lot of the sounds that were emerging out of the United States and the UK like rock and roll and R&B and you know like they were very inspired by like James Brown and Janis Joplin and the Beatles mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Um, that becomes a little bit more clearly a little bit later on but she was initially very inspired by and doing um, Bossa Nova. Yeah this sounds very like chill and like romantic to me yeah without knowing always, exactly what she's saying but yeah for sure I always picture like you know like a twinkly light like a nice garden or like a dinner party like it's very like beautiful to have on and like it's very vibey to me mm-hmm. um but um so yeah I, I think it's I, I really generally love when you're able to evoke a lot of feeling with very few sonic elements. And I think this does it really well. Mm -hmm. So this next song you have for us kind of goes more into the, the sonic innovations that you were talking about a little bit earlier. Why don't you tell us about this next one? So this is probably her most well-known song. And it's again, a song with Gaetano Veloso. This song is called baby. Let's take a listen. Saber da piscina, da margarina, da Carolina, da gasolina. Você precisa saber de mim, baby, baby. Eu sei que é assim, baby. Baby. 
Had you heard this song by this? No, I hadn't. But you had. I remember you. You knew it, right? Yeah, yeah. Although I know it as a song by Os Mutantes, which I think oh. is the, as far as I could tell, the original version. So Caetano Veloso did write the song, um, and he, I think, wrote it for Os Mutantes or for himself, and then Os Mutantes popularized it. But just one year beforehand, right? So. Um, it's like we talked about like this was like a very like tight-knit sort of scene and Os Mutantes weren't from Bahia but they um were uh, they were part of this um this artistic community and um they released this song in 1968 this was released in 1969 on Gal Costa's eponymous album so it was her first solo album remember the first um, the first, her first album from the last song that we played was from an album with Gaetano Veloso. And, um, you know, that album was, as you said, like a really strong departure from her first album where she did begin to sort of incorporate influences of some of those artists that were coming out of the U.S. and United Kingdom in terms of like rock and roll, in terms of rhythm and blues, in terms of like all of these sounds that were... Um, in conversation with each other in the West or the global North. Um, and this was like very unprecedented, um, mm -hmm. this, this sound, and, and it made big waves in Brazil. Yeah, we brought Os Mutantes before. I think you brought them before yeah, to the show. Yeah, 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 I have. I really, um, Os Mutantes is really my biggest entry point, my biggest personal entry point into Tropicalia and Tropicalismo. Um, because I saw them live once in like something like 2008 or something like that. And, um, and I was like, wow, these motherfuckers are dope. I want to know more. Mm -hmm. And so I like have listened to them a good amount. It's really cool. Like, it's so, um, I, yeah, they were really my entry point. And so when I heard of this song, I was like, oh, like I know this song, but I really knew the Os Mutantes version of it. Yeah, I feel like I'm getting a visual of them like in like a smoky bar, just like trading song ideas and like, you don't know, just sort of this, yeah, the scene, which like you said, it's not unique to them particularly, but for some reason I'm getting this strong visual just because of the amount of interplay and collaboration. And then I think the other thing that, you know, we know about, um, about this movement is that it was in like a very um, highly political context that they were working, they were like living in, right? So you have on the one hand, like the military junta, like the dictatorship in Brazil. And then you also have, I mean, it's the late 60s, 70s. It's a very political time for many places, including the US. And there was like a strong, like leftist Marxist student led faction. And from what we can understand, from what we've learned, like they were somewhere in the middle, like they, you know, Gal and, and these other folks in Tropicalia were definitely anti-authoritarian. They, they participated in protests against the government, um, but they were also protested by the far left. Um, and there's some interesting stories about Caetano, Caetano Veloso getting um, like booed off of stages by um, young Marxist students who didn't like exactly what you're talking about here, which is like their participation with and references to um, U.S. influences in music um, because they were sort of anti-imperial, right? Like they, they saw, you know, the United States as an imperial force. Um, and so, yeah, they're in this kind of like middle ground of um, 
kind of being disliked by everybody to a certain degree <sighs> and, but still having such a, a, you know, impact culturally because what they did was so innovative and interesting sonically. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is what I understand is that I'm not sure they were politically in the middle, but definitely at least yeah. like no. the Marxist uh, leftists yeah. in Brazil thought, you know, like really favored like traditional Brazilian music. And mm-hmm. yeah, as you said, like really disliked, anything touched by like empire which was they they thought of music coming out of the united states as Mm -hmm. um music that's of the capitalist empire right right yeah so they're not saying they were centrist at all but um probably more like i would imagine maybe like the left but not yeah with the marxist to the left of them potentially although maybe it's not a spectrum it's like a yeah, I don't know, yeah. 4D like, yeah, so ecosystem or something, you know? Yeah, it's an interesting political idea, you know, like that it, to, to uh, think of, to control art in that way. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it seems, yeah. I mean, Marxists have a lot of interesting political ideas. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> there's that. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think, you know, you think about psychedelic rock, you think about all the things that were happening and, and they were really, yeah, they were um, kind of vibing off lots of different influences, which I think artistically offers a lot, you know? Yeah. And also to, um, you know, from what we know politically of the, of these folks is that they, you know, like did, for example, align themselves with like the Black Panther Party, for example. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, mm-hmm. It's, yeah, thinking about, like, the U.S. as the seat of the empire isn't inaccurate. And also, like, there's a lot of nuance within, like, right. you know, like, where this music and is coming from in the United States in terms of, like, um, you know, like, James Brown, for example, is not who, you know, like, who I would say the picture of empire is necessarily. Yeah, it's like, you know, there's so many cultures within a culture. And, um, and yeah, particularly when you look at the Black Power movement in the United States, it's very, very countercultural. Yeah, absolutely. So this is nuanced and complicated and yeah. the way that political movements are. Yeah. All right. What's the what's the next song you have for us? So the next song that we have is from also the same album, the 1969 self-titled album. Uh, this song is Divino Maravilloso. Pro refrão, pro palavrão, pa- 
So I brought this song because it was written by Gilberto Gil and Caetano Veloso. And as we said, um, they're really close collaborators of hers that she met really early on through, you know, through some friends and um, they became uh, close collaborators throughout her life. So yeah, she sang many of their songs throughout her life and was also at some point like regarded as a voice for them when they were in political exile during the military dictatorship in Brazil. Yeah, I mean, basically the military, you know, didn't really like the political nature of their music. They didn't like this sense of like protest that they felt like they were um, forwarding and they started to monitor their shows and... Um, these folks also refused to kind of um, censor their music and their shows in the way that the military wanted. So eventually they imprisoned um, Caetano Veloso and Gilberto Gil for like two months. And then interesting anecdote I found was that um, the military really just wanted them out of the country. And so they allowed them to do a concert that allowed them to raise money for tickets to London. <laughs> like, why didn't they just so buy them tickets to London? Like, so strange. Um, yeah. So yeah, so these two dudes um, were in exile in London and then continued their musical careers from there during that time. Yeah, so like I said, this was off the same album, her same eponymous album, Gal Costa. And so you'll notice that a lot of the songs that we're bringing are pretty concentrated um, in terms of the time period. Like we're starting in 1964 and we're ending um, in 1969. But, um, you know, I, she was active for many years after that, but this was some of her most influential music. So we're um, concentrating on that today. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it seems like it was a really fertile time um, for, for music and collaboration and um, that there was just a lot that happened in this in these short number of years of the late 60s, mid 60s to late 60s. Yeah, these folks were prolific um, yeah. and, you know, evidenced by this uh, next song, which was another album of hers that came out also in 1969. Um, I feel like on this next one, you can really hear the way that rock and R&B are sort of like coming out like sonically on here. Let's take a listen to País Tropical uh, by Gal Costa, Gilberto Gil, and Caetano Veloso. Que bonito por natureza Que febrero 
Wow, that, that track really is different, and I can see what you're saying about the merging of these sounds from the U.S. and the U.K. into the Brazilian sounds that they're bringing. Yeah, yeah, you really, really hear it here. Again, this is still 1969. This album is called Gal. So the last album was called Gal Costa. This one is just called Gal. And um, it is, yeah, I feel like you can hear it so much. It is so much more psychedelic, so much more... Um, you know, like I feel like it's you can hear all the other all the influences together. And mm-hmm. um, this song is also a cover. This song is a cover of um, a song by another Tropicalia movement pioneer, um, Jorge Benjor. Jor? I don't know Portuguese either, by the way. So I'm probably butchering all these people's names. Um, but he's considered the father of samba rock. So, mm. um, again, it's like this very interesting fusion of a lot of what was happening in um, in between the U.S. and U.K. with like rock, and that was like sort of like a like that that really went global, right? Like the Beatles and rock and roll and. Um, some of that music coming out of the U.S. and the U.K., like what was really popular very globally, it was some of the um, earliest sort of like global, like global musical phenomena. Um, and um, Brazil was no exception with that. And so you saw a lot of a lot of folks mixing their, you know, genres from where they're from with with rock and roll. And so. This is a cover um, of of this song, and you can hear that very clearly there. And so, like uh, you can see again, like this song. I think the original one was recorded maybe like only like a year or two before "País Tropical" by Galcosen, Catano Veloso, and Gilberto Hill were recorded. And so, it's like a lot of folks hyping each other up, and a lot of folks covering each other, and a lot of folks just like like a very sort of insular and um, self-referential scene. Right. I think it's interesting that this came out the year, or this this song, at least their version of it, came out the year of Woodstock. Like, it feels like something you could have heard coming from the stages of Woodstock. It's very in line with, I think, that kind of music. Yeah, and it was definitely in conversation with a lot of those mm-hmm. artists. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that is also part of what was countercultural um, and felt like a threat to the government, um, even though, like, uh, it's, I don't know, it's so interesting, like, that, you know, like, art is in so many ways inherently political and in so many ways is, like, framed as political by a group of people, groups of people or the state when they find something about it threatening in a way that, mm-hmm. like, is a reaction to something that may or may not be there. Um, right. But um, but this was definitely in conversation with some of that music happening then. For sure. So in, our, in the member segment, we're going to talk about um, a song from last year that Gal Costa was a part of. But just to sort of, so if you want to um, hear that conversation, think about becoming a member of our show. But um, I just wanted to, to say, since we mostly focused on this part of her career and her life, like she was actively still making music, still touring. Uh, she canceled a show, I think, like the week before last um, due to something health related. It's not, nobody has um, released anything about the cause of her death, but she was 77. And so, yeah, her career continued and very, very active. And she was actually even planning a tour coming up. So, um, and, you know, unfortunately... And that was cut short by by her death, 
but just to say that she's had, yeah, a, a lifelong career. And she got like a lifetime um, achievement award from the Latin Grammys in 2011. So, you know, she's been recognized for her, her achievements and her impact on, on music in Brazil. Yeah. And I will say that the music, the impact of her music has not been, you know, she had a huge impact on music in Brazil, but then this right. movement also had such a huge impact globally, right? So many people from like David Byrne of the Talking Heads to like Beck to like, you know, like so many people that are like huge superstars in the US and in the UK um, and around the globe have been really influenced by, um, by this movement as well. Um, possibly Absolutely. also like as a result from their political exile, you know, which mm-hmm. like sometimes globalizes mm-hmm. something, um, globalizes pieces of culture, um, in ways that, um, you know, like are about like movements of people. We've talked about this before in, right. um, in some of our other episodes about how like diasporas and movements of people shape sound and, um, and influence cultures around the world. And so, uh, it's you know, she's been super, super influential to not just within Brazil, but really globally and to the way that um, that people make music even still today. Absolutely. All right, y'all. Thank you so, so much for listening to this. Excuse our wild butchering of the Portuguese language, Brazilians and Portuguese listeners. We apologize for that. But we hope you enjoyed diving into a little bit of Gal Costa's legacy. She's got so much more, so make sure to dig in if you liked this little taste. And we didn't even mention it, but this is our 200th episode by number. But it's a little bit unceremonious because we had these (laughs) meneitos. We had 29 meneitos. So really, it's our 229th episode. But just to give us ourselves a little shout out, we're still here. Something like that. Ow. We're still here. <laughs> <laughs> still going. As always, all of the songs that we mentioned on this episode are on our show notes. And those are RileyMinnea.com. Make sure to follow us on Instagram. And I don't know how long we'll be on Twitter because it's dumpster fire. But for now, we're still there. For real? <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. I don't even know what to say. Um, and we also have a newsletter every Friday. So if you want to check that out, you can subscribe at the links in our show notes. Thanks for listening, y'all. Hasta la próxima. Thanks, Maite, for your editing. See you next week. Para de un sol de